I have great concern for young people today because of the power of the influence of our culture and our society that's pushing you in uh, directions that you probably already recognize are, are not right, they're not good. Uh, you may not have all the, everything figured out yet, but uh, as we talk about marriage and the family and the home and the roles of men and the roles of women and uh, the submission and uh, purity and these concepts, they are foreign concepts in the world and in the world where you live uh, maybe even more than what us older folks even realize. Uh, and and that's, that's so true of the, the lesson this hour, which is, uh, wives, be careful how you build. And when you're building a house, be careful how you build. comes from a, a statement in Paul's letter to Corinth. And uh, the idea there was in building a church. But as you build your life and build your marriage, you, the wife needs to be careful how she builds and find her role and her place in it. And the reason I say these things now is because the world will, will reject and laugh at the concepts that God has given us in his word. And it's easy thing for me to be strong and courageous and say these truths right straight from the Bible just the way the Lord said it. Talking to probably 99.98 of of the people here believe that already and stand with me and and have silent amens uh, ready to not agreement. But we've got to take these principles into our lives and walk out into the neighborhood and into the workforce and into schools and and, uh, understand that there's going to be in my life a difference uh, in what I do and what I think and the choices that I make from all the people around me. Uh, God's people have always been in a minority. They've always been few. And they've always been victorious as long as they held on to the word of God. Think about Joshua as he uh, was given the responsibility to lead Israel. He had been a helper to Moses on various occasions since he had showed his faithfulness and shown his courage to follow the Lord and yet to have the responsibility of leading the nation of God into the foreign land when they failed under Moses how do you think Joshua felt where was his confidence rooted and grounded it was in the word because he had learned that from Moses and in Joshua chapter 1 be of courage be, str- be strong and be courageous. Don't turn to the right or to the left. But you walk straight ahead in the, in, the, in the words that the Lord has given you, in the commandments and the statutes that God has revealed to Moses. You do what you know to be right. And that's why lessons like these that talk about our lives, maybe in a practical way, as we talk about getting married, a very practical issue, and that, that you need to hear what the Bible says. My lessons are not that innovative. Uh, They're mostly just putting some scriptures together, trying to cover all that the Bible says on this subject. It didn't quite make all of it, but uh, use all the scriptures. But so many, and then we're using them over and over again. I don't apologize for repeating myself from one lesson to the next uh, because we need to hear it more than once. We need to hear it again and again so that we are strengthened in those words. And we know that is exactly what the Bible says. And we need to be able to, I appreciate these recent songs this morning, we need to appreciate the Bible as a book that endures through time and beyond time. 
and it will stand, and God's will will be done, and the truth will save those who believe it and accept it. And we need, to, we need to have that sense of courage ourselves to know what the Bible teaches. Because the only difference, really, between us and every person in the world who's walking far from the Lord, making choices that we believe to be wrong, the only difference between us is, is, is faith. Well, so what do you believe? Do you believe this word is the word of God? If it is the word of God, then it has in it the power of God, the authority of God. And as such, we as his creature are obligated to that. Then we, we, we need to, and it'll help us if we can learn to trust God, that he cares for us. He's not simply a, a ruler that likes to boss his creation around. He glories in the, in the material world as it shows his grace and his beauty and his faithfulness and his order and his care in all things that were created. And he tells his people, don't eat the eggs and the bird both. There are rules that, that will honor the creation itself and they will honor me in as much. And so when I tell you what to do, God is saying, trust that I speak and I lead and I guide for your good. We've got to believe that. And, and not the world. The world feels sorry for Christians and sorry for fools who trust the Bible because their life is so restricted. We live in the freedom, in the freedom of confidence and trust that there is an eternity before us. And we are free to take part in that if we will but lift ourselves to be like God inasmuch as he is righteous, we will be righteous. Be holy, for I am holy. You love one another because I have loved you. And, uh, uh, and I thought, forgot the third one. You know, that's, that's the best joke of all, isn't it? Got three things I want to say. And you conform to the image of his son is number three. That's what we need to do. And so we're going to look at the Bible and talk about wives and how they need to be careful how they build. Review these simple ideas, simple to understand, but difficult to implement when everybody else thinks we're being foolish. Let's stand for what the Lord has said. In Romans chapter 12, I would like to read there first of all. In Romans chapter 12, Paul has really finished, <coughs> has finished his great discussion of the gospel plan of salvation. And in chapter 12, he's come to this application section. And he says in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need to commit ourselves to God as a sacrifice to his glory. That my life is a sacrifice to God and honor to him. He calls for my life as a sacrifice. That we do not die for him, but that we live for him. And we are living sacrifices. We are not conformed to the world, but we've been renewed by the renewing of our mind. And we will do what's good and acceptable before the Lord. And that's what we will do as wives. 
And when I speak of we as wives, I don't have any confusion myself, but I am speaking for women as I want you to be able to say the things that I'm saying. We will, as wives that belong to the Lord, not conform to the world and its direction about how to live and what kind of plans to make and how to relate to our husbands. Let's listen to the word of God and be transformed by the truth that comes in his word. And so this morning, or this, this is still morning, we're going to talk to wives. Be careful how you build. And you noticed from the flyer, uh, it's got my picture on it, by the way. And uh, you might want to keep that. And tonight, we're going to talk about husbands and how husbands need to be careful how they build. And so both parties need to be at both lessons so we know how to live together and love each other. So be careful. Build your house on the Lord and be careful to do that. So we'll say some things, first of all, about the wife. In Genesis chapter 2, surprise, surprise, let's go to Genesis chapter 2. The roles are established, and in very simply, the wife was created to be the helper of the man. Already in that first statement, it's not good that man is alone, he needs help. And the wife was created to be the helper. Already God is setting an order in place that will be maintained throughout the rest of Scripture all the way through the letters of the New Testament. And so the wife is a helper. Uh, we know that as the, uh, as the creation of God, that from Genesis chapter 1, with re- respect to the woman's relationship to God, she is on an equality with the man. She is not subordinate to God, to the man, as she comes to the Lord. She has been created in his image, just as pure and wise and capable as every man that has been created in the image of God. So with regard to our relationship to God, women are an equality in the image of God. I think that's important to realize the value of the woman, the honor that a woman brings to the Lord. And so regarding God, there is equality, but regarding the creation, there's also equality. It is both the man and the woman, God said, that shall have dominion over the earth and the animals and all things in the earth. And so again, there's an equality there. As the man and the woman go out to conquer the world together, there is an equality there. But regarding their relationship one with another, one is a leader and one is a follower. One is, has been created first and the other has been created as the helper Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. And so she is a help. And she is a help that has been specifically created to meet the needs that God created in the man. God did not intend for the man to live alone. He cannot survive. He cannot have children. He, can, he cannot keep from doing stupid stuff without the woman. And so God created the woman as the helper that is comparable and uh, compatible and meet or suitable to him. Uh, She's not just walking side by side with the same issues that he's got. She's got her own issues, and she is the helper of the man because she can take care of his issues. And so we need to let our wives do that. We need to respect and be thankful to them for that and for that role. And so that's the role as it is vaguely, I know there's not a lot of details there, but it is vaguely defining the role of the woman as the helper of the man and created second. If we go to to 1 Corinthians chapter 11... We have the role remembered, the role established in Genesis. It's remembered in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. 
the head of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God. And the idea here again establishes the equality between the sexes as, as the, the woman is, or the, excuse me, the man is the head of the woman as God is the head of Christ. The nature, the, the being, the deity of Christ is on an equality with God. The Father is God and Jesus Christ the Son is God. And in that sense there is an equality and yet, when you talk about in nature and in person and in being, there's equality. But when you talk about the role, the Son does the will of the Father. Jesus talked about that all of the time, particularly in the Gospel of John, trying to get people to understand that submission to God is the only way to go. In fact, that's what the Son of God is doing in, in your very presence. And so, while equal with the Father... The son is still the son, and in role, he is subordinate to the father. And you know what? He put himself in that position. Obviously, it was the plan, and it was the will of God, but he put himself in submission to God. And so the wife, in the same way, is equal with the man by nature, by person, and by, uh, by being humanity. And yet there's a role distinction that needs to be remembered. Uh, and so in verses 8 and 9 of 1 Corinthians 11, For the man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angel. Or, as it, the italics are not read, as the woman ought to have authority on her head because of the angels. The woman needs to understand that the husband takes the lead. The woman is the subordinate in the relationship with regard to role. Not in nature, not in essence, not in capability of serving and pleasing the Lord. There's equality in all of that because we are human beings, all of us, male and female. But as we labor together, God has set a distinction in role. And we need to understand and recognize that. The authority of the woman is the man. You know, a statement like that, once you read it and you reread it and you look up the words in the dictionary, what do you do with it? You either accept it or you reject it. The world has rejected that, 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 that issue. They do not accept that. The religious world has rejected those statements. They know, they're no longer a reality in the world where you live and take care of business. And so we're going to have to brace ourselves not apologize. And at the same time, we cannot expect that we're going to be able to go out into the world with this message and change everybody's mind. We're going to have to learn how to live in a hostile world that disagrees without making any more waves than is necessary as we live our lives by example, as we teach when we have the opportunity, as we refuse to be silent and yet always respectful. Matthew chapter 7 teaches, in the first half of the chapter, teaches us how to live in this kind of a world. But we cannot compromise on what we know to be true. And so 1 Corinthians 8, uh, 11, 8 and 9, let's go to verse 11. Nevertheless, and he comes back to this principle, which I think is important for us to see. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. So he ends it by saying, he starts it by saying that there's an equality in male and female before God. There is a subordinate of woman under the man in nature of role. But then he comes back to the idea in verses 11 and 12, they need each other. 
Neither one is complete. Neither one can take care of himself. Neither one can be what God and do what God wants him and her to do without the other. And so, there's, there, so how do you apply that? What's the, what's the application? Well, my application right now is we need some humility. We need some humility in the males, and we need the humility in the females. We need, we need humility in the males because, number one, you're not worthy to be this leader. You don't really know how to lead, so do your best and understand how desperately you need the woman. And humility in the women to realize that you're smart, that you're capable, you're determined, and you're strong, and you're still going to be submissive. Kind of like Christ. Kind of like the Lord, who was strong and smart and capable and accomplished unbelievable things, and yet he was in submission to the Father. And so the role established, and now the role is remembered in the teaching in 1 Corinthians. We can turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And we're looking at just about every verse that's talking about the, the role of, of the woman. 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 to 15. Let a woman learn in silence and in all submission. This is not necessarily talking about the marriage relationship, but in the church and in, among Lord's people more generally. But still the role here, let the woman learn in silence with all submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. And this is why we want to look at this passage. We kind of got that first part already, and that's talking about the church anyway. But look at 30. Why, Lord? Why do the guys get to be in charge? They're not really in charge. You know, you know that, right? In verse 13, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. These are eternal purposes. They're, they were established from the very beginning of time, and they will last to the end of time. This is not an Old Testament concept. This is not a generational or a century kind of a thing. In the 21st century, it's different now. Adam was formed first and then Eve, and that's why people 2,000 years later are hearing the gospel preach and realizing that women are supposed to be in submission or subjection. Because Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. I don't even understand that, and I, and I don't proudly say that, but there's an application here. I don't understand why. Well, maybe he was made first. Okay, okay, he just got in line first, you know, that, that kind of a thing. The man is, is the head because he was created first. But he was, he's, he's also the head because he was not deceived. The woman was deceived. And so is it better to be deceived or is it better to, to do the wrong thing even when you know better? It doesn't make sense. Why was being deceived worse than willfully violating the law of God? See, it doesn't matter if I understand why. I, I still know what the passage is teaching. God has his reasons. Here they are. And I can, I can reiterate those reasons even if I don't understand why they lead to the conclusion. And I can read the conclusion. And I can teach that that's the way it needs to be in our families, that the, the role of the woman is subordinate in the family. We've got to come to terms with this truth, not just in our outward behavior, it's not a show of submission, but we need to, in our hearts and in our mind, we need to accept the will of God. I have a role that a man cannot fulfill. 
I am doing something that the Lord certainly established for me and for my, uh, for, for my sisters. And so we will accept our role, be what God wants us to be, and we will be a glory to the Father and a disciple of Jesus Christ. The role is explained. A little bit, we get a little bit more information about it in Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, certainly talking about marriage in this chapter. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Drop down to verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so we've got here some explanation of how that role is to be carried out in the marriage relationship. Who makes the husband the head in the family and in the house? By declaration, God made him the head. But it's the wife who makes him the head in practical terms. I may be the head of my home by virtue of God's declaration. As the husband, I am the head of the house. But my house is not ruled by a tyrant who establishes his authority by force or by deprivation and punishment. That is not the exercise of headship. What makes me the head is a wife who willingly submits. Because if she's not going to submit, what am I going to do about it? Oh, I could beat her? This is not being recorded, is it? (laughs) Be sure not to let bits and pieces be recorded. Should I, can I do that? The answer is no. Deprive her? The Bible says no. So how do I make my wife submit? I don't. I'm the head by God's declaration. But I will lead my family by the wife's willing submission and following and yielding. Wow. That is a great command to fulfill. Great in the sense of its requirement. It's a a difficult thing. Because there are times when you know better than he does. There are times when your judgment is calmer and cooler than his. And yet you will find your place always as the helper. Sometimes the help is in form of of giving him some good advice he needs to hear. But how do you do that? In a submissive way. Not demeaning and demanding, but in a, a loving and caring submission to his yield or to his will, you're yielding, and yet you're helping and guiding and leading. And so just like Christ loves the church, does the, does the Lord rule in his kingdom? Is Jesus Christ the head of the church? Mm-hmm. Does the church accept his rule? Mm-hmm. Willingly? Yes. Now, with the Lord, we have a perfect king who knows all. And ultimately, there will be a reckoning and a punishment involved. But how does he rule in his church? 
He rules in his church where there are willing disciples submitting to his authority. You see, it's not so different for the wives submitting to their husbands as it is the members of the Lord's church submitting to their king. It is a, it is a willing yielding uh, of, of one's will to the other. And so just like Christ and his church, the wife is yielding a voluntary submission to the husband. And she does that because she loves him. But here in Ephesians 5, it's because she respects him in verse 33. And, and, uh, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We're going to talk more about the husband's side of things this evening. But here we're, we're really trying to explore the wife's role. She submits and she respects. Go back to a previous lesson. As you're choosing the man that you will marry, you need to choose somebody you respect. It's nice if he's respectable. Much easier to respect. It's nice if he is kind, not to just you while you're courting, but to everybody in every way. And as the Lord loves everybody and serves everybody, the man you choose needs to be somebody of the same quality and character as he. Because then in your submission, well, why would you not want to? Of course, you respect this man and you are willing to follow this man. Because he's looking out for my best interest just as the Lord does the church. This helps us to understand, and it qualifies what the, what, the Lord, what the world criticizes in this concept. They believe Christian men are selfish and demanding and rude and power-hungry, and that is not the case, is it? It is not the case for God's people. That's not what we are. And you need to find somebody that you can respect and that you will willingly uh, yield to. And so what then is the role? The role is helper in submission. But what about the responsibility? The responsibility of the wife we can look for in 1 Peter chapter 3. The responsibility becomes... To submit, I mean, <laughs> no, no surprise there. It is to be submissive. And, but let's look at a picture of that in, in uh, first, first Peter 3, in, in verse 1. Wives, likewise, be submissive. There's not a, an attitude, but there's an action. And so be submissive to your own husbands. That even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. You talk about a wife having influence over her husband, what about an, an unwilling unbeliever who doesn't want to hear the gospel? And she can turn his heart around. She can change his mind. You don't think you have any power as a submissive wife? Got great power. Great influence. Your value is beyond measure. If you are a godly wife, what you can do is the very best for other people. That without a word, because he won't listen. And so we don't nag, and we don't nag prospects for the gospel. We give them just a little more, just a little more than they wanted to hear. Then we walk away and let it work on them. And you hope there's another day when you can do a little more. But in the same house, you don't even need to go beyond, a little bit beyond what they want to hear. When they don't want to hear, say, okay. And you be the wife that God wants you to be. And they well may obey the word, not 
by the words that you speak, but they will be won by the conduct. How can your conduct win them? They see your chaste or your pure conduct accompanied by fear. And as you show respect and submission to a husband that does not walk with you in the Lord, that respects him and treats him honorably, though he doesn't sometimes deserve it, when you are what you ought to be, you may win the heart of your husband. And do not let your adornment be merely of the outward, the arranging of the hair and the wearing of gold and the putting on of apparel. Looking good does not change men's hearts. It catches their eye. It catches their attention. But that doesn't change the hearts of men except for the worse. You know, some of us men, we follow the beauty and the adornment and the attraction to our destruction. But the adornment never never leads women uh, or leads men to good. It's not the arranging of the hair and the wearing of gold, the putting on of fine apparel. It's rather the hidden person of the heart, that which is not so visibly seen by a quick glance, that person of the heart that has the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And so here in the household, the wife of the husband How does she behave and how does she speak? How does she relate to her children? How does she relate to her husband? With a quiet spirit, a gentle and a quiet spirit. That's what the Lord calls us to as wives and as godly women, even with an ungodly husband. That is very precious. Think about this, the last words in that verse, which is very precious in the sight of God. It takes us back. Who is it, we're, who is it that must be impressed first and foremost before all? I want to please God. You want to please God? You be a wife that has a gentle and quiet spirit, precious in the sight of the Lord. In this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Do what's right. Don't be afraid to accept the proper role as a wife. And may God help us then to find men that are worthy of of that kind of a woman. That's up to you, to the best of your ability, to find that man who is respectable and will be a good leader in the Lord. Colossians 3.18 says to wives, submit as is fitting in the Lord. It's fitting in the Lord. What does that mean? It's appropriate in the Lord. Right, good. But what's that mean? What does it mean that it is, submitted, that it is fitting and, and uh, appropriate in the Lord for a woman to submit to the husband? That's what you were created to be. It goes back to the very nature of our existence. It's fitting in the Lord. Titus chapter 2, more of the same encouragement with emphasis on the few things that we're touching on. Older women be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not much wine. Young women need to be taught by those older women to be discreet and chaste and good and obedient to their own husbands. We learn that. We learn that. And in this world, you'll, you'll need to find godly women to talk to, to teach you how to be submissive to your husband 
and not compromise yourself as a person, not give up any of the power and the influence that you have as a wife, not to relinquish your responsibility of teaching and, and, and leading and influencing people for the Lord. Be a strong woman in Christ. You need to walk more and more in the image of Christ day by day and become this wife that is a worthy woman. The responsibility then is to the husband to submit and to do, do all things for his welfare. Titus chapter 2 verse 4, love your husband, love your children. That's what God tells you to do. Love your husband, love your children. And how do we know we're loving our husband and, our love ch- and loving our children? When we, well, when we suffer long and when we're kind and when we're not envious when we do not parade ourselves and get puffed up, when you do not behave rudely, when you do not seek your own, but you seek the welfare of others, when you're not provoked, and when you think no evil, and when you do not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth, when you're able to bear all things, believe all things, and hope all things, and endure all things. That's love. 1 Corinthians 13. And wow, wives, do you bear all things? Do you believe all things? Are you optimistic? Do you trust it's going to be okay? Do you hope all things? Do you endure all things? Good women do. They, they do, and they're a credit to the human race, even in their submissive behavior, strong and faithful to the Lord. And so rule and guide and direct the household. I, I submit that those words have an, have an authority that, that goes with your role as a wife. You have power in the home. And you're not just a servant who's told what to do. But you take the initiative. You take the planning. You take, you take that house and home. And it's not talking about the house cleaning as much as it is the arrangement of this family so that the parts are functioning together and becoming to look more and more like the Lord's people all the time. Make it your goal to be, spiritually speaking, super mom. Not in the eyes of the world. They're not impressed. Not in the eyes of your peers in the neighborhood. They're too worried about their own uh, status. They'll not be impressed. And not certainly on Instagram do we need to impress anybody, but be a super mom and a super wife in the eyes of your children and in the eyes of your husband so that they love you and they respect you. And let me say it again, they love you and they respect you. That's what, you, that's what the wife is working for. That is her responsibility. I want to finish with the model wife in Proverbs chapter 31. Let's just go here to here. We're not going to study this page, but I want you to look at it, and I want you to go back and read it again and again. Husbands, too, but God provides a model for the wife. It's lucky, lucky. We'll see if we can find one for the men. And this is a woman of character and worthy of praise. And I have looked at each of the verses, as you can see, by the numbers in the parentheses, and looked at the statement that describes something she does. And I'm saying, what does that mean? Who is she? What is she? What's that? What's that that she just did? What does that make her? And then I tried to put just one word by each of those verses that describe that particular action or attribute or characteristic. And God's model wife is valuable, trustworthy, Her husband is made good. 
She's an ambitious provider in her family. She's responsible and takes responsibility. She is a worker in this chapter. But in that, she's making plans for the future and forethought. She's strong and she's confident and diligent. That's because she knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. She trusts her God. She's talented. She's benevolent. She takes care of poor people outside the family. A broad view of her role in the world, looking outside household duties. She's prepared. She has self-respect. She makes her husband better. Again, that comment. She's enterprising. She's got a beautiful or great character. And she's wise and she's responsible. At the end of the chapter, it says she is valued. It starts by saying her price is far above rubies. So she is valuable. At the end of the chapter, in verse 31, her family honors her. I want to read those words, and then we'll be finished. Proverbs 31, at the end, Psalms, Proverbs. At the end of the, of the list, verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful, beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Verse 27, She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Wow. What a person. And there can be lots of those people, lots of women of that character. What if our communities were full of this person? What if you look down the street and every other house had this worthy woman as the mom and wife in that house, what would happen in our community and in our state and our nation? How different the world would be if wives looked like the, the wife that's described in the word of God. You be that. You be that and have that influence in, in the environment and in the neighborhood, but certainly in the family where you live and do your work. May God bless you as a worthy woman. The first step, of course, is to submit to Jesus Christ because we do these things that we've been talking about because God said so and because that's what pleases the Lord. And so if, if you want to please the Lord, you need to start by submitting to God in obedience to the gospel. You need to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Confess your faith in him as the Savior, the resurrected Lord and King who will rule in your life who's given us the word that we've looked at today. And you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. And if we can help you do that, male or female, we'll, have, we'll ask you just to come to the front and let us know as we stand together and sing.